to just do B20 and make mistakes and try things. And now, now everybody's different. Some people know exactly what they want to do or whatever, but I wasn't that kid. I have no idea what I want. I still don't know what I want to do. Honestly, I still don't know. Like, I ask myself all the time, like, what do I want to be known for? What, what, how can I impact the world better? What makes the journey worth it? The pain, the adversity, the opposition, the challenges, the uncertainty. Why do I have to go through this? What's the lesson in this? I got a paralyzed right arm and hand. The million dollar question I get every single day is you wouldn't change what happened to you, why? Serendipity, join us for insightful dialogues about not just successes, but about failures, opposition, adversities that shape and mold the individuals to who they are today. I'm Inky Johnson. This is Serendipity. Hey guys, welcome to Serendipity with Inky Johnson. Today's guest, you know, he's a husband, he's a father, he's an entrepreneur, you know, and he's incredible. I can't wait for you guys to hear his wisdom, his insight, and hear how he lives his life. Jesse Itzler. Jesse, how you doing, man? Inky, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure, man. First and foremost... I just want to say thank you for your time, man. I know you're a busy guy, so I greatly appreciate it. No, thank you for all that you do, man. It's my pleasure, and I, I'm so glad to be here. And I appreciate you including me in in this amazing uh, project of yours. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, you know, me and you, we met in the airport, and it was it was hilarious, man. So me and you were coming through Atlanta Airport, both flying out, and you saw me, and you was like, "Ink, man, where's your security?" And I was laughing because I was thinking, like, where's your security, right? Because you're that guy. But it was awesome, man. And it showed your level of humility, right? And I'll never forget, I told my wife that, you know, when we got back to the house. And so I'll never forget that moment, man. That was special for me. Yeah. Well, I did the same thing. I came back. I showed my wife, Sarah, all of the videos of you on social and and what you've been able to overcome and and. Mm -hmm all the stuff that you talk about. And I was equally as excited. And when I saw you at the airport, you know, I was like, I had, like we all do, I had that one second debate. Mm. What if you, no, nah, man, get out of here. Or does it, you know, who I am or, or whatever. I'm like, I'm never going to see, how am I ever going to see Inky again? Mm. So I went up and, and remember I asked you for your phone number and said, I'd love Absolutely. to stay connected. And, and, uh, and here we are, man. Absolutely. And so Jess, I want to read something to you, man, that, that I saw just, researching you. I watch a lot of your presentations. And you said, I always tell people, if you feel overwhelmed or if you're spiraling, try to get the small victory or victories. What does that mean to you? Yeah. I mean, I think we all feel overwhelmed at times. I think, um, you know, Inky, the one thing that I think all of us have in common, people come to your podcast for different reasons. Mm -hmm. They might want inspiration. They want to find about that serendipity moment or how you overcame obstacles. But the one thing I think we all have in common as humans is that we want to feel accomplished. Mm. You know, if you want to look back, you're like, man, I accomplished something this year or with my family or in business or whatever, whatever it is. And I think that as you feel overwhelmed, it's very easy to take that momentum and spiral downwards mm. and you got to put a stop plug on it because when that gets momentum, it's hard to get out of that. And for me, the way that I do that is, is a small win. I try to 
to change the momentum in my favor. And it could be as simple as, you know, taking something off my to-do list, doing something with my kids. The number one way to, 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 to flip the momentum is to help people. Mm-hmm. Walk an old lady across the street, pick up a tab at a dinner, even though, you know, it's, it might be hard out of your paycheck, but flip the momentum and feel good. So, um, you know, look, I, I, don't, I don't have all the answers, but that's worked really well for me, mm-hmm. you know, is to make a small little win. And quite honestly, that's how I start my day. I try to get an early morning victory. So the rest of the day is gravy because, you know, we get pulled with kids in different directions. We might not be able to get that win if, if we don't get it early. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Because I think a lot of times when we think win, just the concept of win, more times than not, people think something big. And so when you say flipping the momentum and thinking about getting a small victory to even start your day, I think that's awesome. But you got something, man, that I love and I feel like it's cold blooded. And when I heard you say it, I was like, man, that's fire. When you said, I don't negotiate my goals, man. Like I don't negotiate my goals. Like, can you elaborate and talk about that a little bit? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm a serial entrepreneur. You know, I've had a very unconventional journey in business, in multiple different kinds of businesses. Some have worked, some some haven't. But inevitably, you're going to face big obstacles that are going to make you want to quit. Whatever, even if you're training for a 5K or a marathon, there's always going to be, you know, big obstacles and self-doubt. And, and, um, you know, the one theme in my life that's been consistent has been exactly what you said, man, is like, I don't negotiate my goals. I don't dummy them down. Mm -hmm. If I say we're going to go run eight miles today, but it's windy and we had a great effort and we got six miles, like, man, we, we had six amazing miles. It's freezing. No, like that's not what we set out to do. And once you start to, to, to dummy down your goals and you create an environment in your head that that's okay. Mm. And that's not okay. You you know, I've never found like, I don't want that to be what I'm becoming. So, you know, I go to the end of the movie in my head and, and I try to play it out. I mean, when I was starting out in business, I used to walk into my office and I was sleeping on, on my friend's couches at the time, at this time of my journey. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to walk in and, and tell my partner, we were just starting out. I'm like, man, we're millionaires. They just haven't paid us yet. <laughs> you know? and, but that, that goal of getting to that level was, it was non-negotiable for me. I didn't know how I would do it, but I believed in the end of my story. Mm. I believe that like you, you, you're the perfect, I mean, you've always believed in the end of your story. Nobody's been able to tell you no, mm. you know, and you don't negotiate it down based on someone else telling you, you can't, wow. you don't negotiate it down based on your resources. You don't negotiate it down based on someone else's perception of your limb of your limitations. And you definitely don't dummy down your negotiate, you, you know, negotiate your goals based on your own self-imposed limitations, mm. you, you know, and, and that's been a theme. That's good. Yeah. I, I saw you talked about the 18 couches that you slept on. Like that was awesome, man. And like you said, you're a serial entrepreneur, right? Like you rapped at one point, you wrote a song, right? That was used by the Knicks. I think it was you co-founder Marquise Jets. Zika Coconut Water, you know, one of the owners of the Atlanta Hawks. You know, you can go on and on. But I wanna, I wanna understand something and know something, Jesse. Like with all the ventures you do in entrepreneurship, 
Like when you think back on the things that you do, the things you're currently doing, like are there certain lessons that you can pull from each of them that you feel have propelled you, you know, in certain businesses or in your personal life or certain things that you're guided by, like with every business venture that you approach? Like, are there certain things that you're like, okay, I know when I do this, it's a certain lesson I learned from this that I can apply to this, right? I ask NFL players this all the time. When they go from different teams and different systems, is it certain things that they pull from these teams and systems and apply to other areas and aspects of their life? I think it's really important that you have a list of non-negotiables, mm-hmm. like almost like a contract with yourself of what your non-negotiables are. I think that, that, that that's really important. One of the things that I like to ask myself, Inky, is would you recommend yourself as, like this is a great test, would you recommend yourself as a husband? Would mm-hmm. you recommend yourself as a boss? Would you recommend yourself as an employee or as a coach or as a teammate or as a trainer? You know, and if the answer is no, like, well, what do you have to fix? Mm. You know, a lot of this stuff, you can get answers if you ask a lot of the questions. But I think the number one lesson or or theme along that question, I could just explain it in a story. It's Mm -hmm. when I had Marquee Jet, which is a private jet company I started with my partner. We had no act. We had no airplanes, no aviation experience, no nothing. And we started this company that went on to do you know, multiple billions of dollars in sales. And ultimately we sold it. One of the sales reps came back to me after a sales call and said, I said, how'd it go? And she said, you know, it was hard. Like I went in there to sell our product and we got a lot of rejection. Like they were beating me up on price. Hmm. They were beating me up on our competitors. They were beating me up. And, you know, it was a really tough meeting. And I said to myself and to her, I'm like, your job as a sales rep is to sell the product. Mm. Their job as a consumer is to push back mm. and try to get the best deal. Like, what did you expect? <laughs> of course, it's going to be hard. And it's the same of anything. Like, if you're an entrepreneur or you have a goal or you want to make the NFL yeah. or you want to be a teacher or you're going for a job, like, you think it's going to be easy? Mm. It's going to be hard. And you have to, like, when those obstacles come, like my response is like, what took you so long? Mm. Like it's going to happen. I'm an ultra runner, right? I run hundred mile, you know, hundred mile races. What you think? You think I'm not going to get a blister or it's not going to be hard or I'm not going to want to quit. Mm. Like my response when that happened is like pain. What took you so long? Mm. Like, I know it's going to come. Like, but, but what took you so long to get? That's all you, that's the only thing you're going to get. That's the only thing. That's all you have. Mm going to be way worse than that, man. That's fine. But that's the theme in all these things, even my stuff with my kids. Mm. Listen, Inky, I'm a father. We're parents. When my my kid is 103 temperature Mm. and he comes downstairs or my daughter comes downstairs and taps me on the shoulder and I was hanging out in clubhouse or whatever, you know, (laughs) in the morning. And I'm an hour into my sleep. And I got the inky, I got the serendipity podcast in the morning. Like, I need to get my sleep. Yeah. And my daughter and my son says to me, Daddy, I don't feel good. Will you lie down in bed with me? Mm. This is what I signed up for as a parent. Mm. Like, I'm not going to show up for those challenges, opportunities, obstacles. Then don't sign up for it. Mm. But if you signed up for it, 
then it's your responsibility to live up to it. Wow. You know what I mean? And and that that's the theme in, in all this stuff, man. As an entrepreneur, I signed up for the challenges, mm. for the hurdles, for the manufacturer that sends back the product, you know, that the packaging is spelled wrong. And it's got to be in the store tomorrow. Like all these <laughs> things, like it's, there's no, you know, the, the, the champions don't panic. Mm. They hand lows they handle the lows look how you handle the lows you handle the lows very well and that that's a commonality in all the greats that i've seen i'm not talking about me in all the people that i've seen they handle they handle the lows and the challenges really well instead of no i'm not built for that i'm not wired for that that's too much of an obstacle you know and you'll see that any leader that's strong man like it 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 makes me think about, like I say to people a lot, Jesse, like, man, have gratitude in advance, right? And they're like, how can I be grateful for something that hasn't happened yet? How can I be grateful for something I haven't encountered yet? I said, that's the byproduct of the mindset and the disposition. So when the opposition does show up, when the adversity does show up, if you're already thinking along the lines of gratitude, it makes it a lot easier to conquer it. Not saying that the opposition will be easier, but you're already in the right state of mind to fight it. And so when you say that about waiting on it and what took you so long, it makes me think about that, man. But you like you inspire me on a different level, right? Like when I see you with your children, right? I see you with your wife. I see you running with your guys. Like it's incredible. But right now you have four kids under 11, correct? Yes. Right? Like, what do you think about or what's the goal in terms of just being a father with your children right now in this phase of life, like with what's going on in the current climate of the world with the pandemic? Like, what's your goal as a father with your children every single day? Well, I have one rule with my kids for starters, and that's that I'm never too tired for my kids. So I have... If I can give so much effort to my business and so much effort to training, you know, if I'm training for a race or so much effort to another project, and then my kids want to have a baseball catch and I'm like, guys, I'm so tired, man, we'll do it tomorrow. Then my life model's not right, you know? And my kids are only going to be six years old for a year, then seven, then they eight, and then in four or five, you know, six, seven years, they're off to college. So the window's so small. So that's rule number one. But listen, man, I didn't, you know, the only only access I had to how to be a parent, they don't teach it in college. There's no courses that I, I took. You know, I had two parents that were together, still together for 65 plus years. So I had them. Awesome. Then I had then I had the Brady Bunch and the Cosby Show. <laughs> like, that's really like the extent of my. Training. So I'm a work, I'm a work in progress, man. And if I missed a good episode of the Brady Bunch. And the Cosby Show, I guess maybe the Partridge family. And that was my manual. And so so my my thing is where I am today, and it'll evolve, I'm sure, as I get older, Mm -hmm. uh, is show them. I don't tell them. Like, my kids see me going out when it's pouring rain and and putting in, you know, a 10-mile run. They they see me not negotiating that or using that as like, oh, I'll do it later. I'm not going to run today. Mm. You know, the things that I want my kids to see, and I'm not perfect, man. I've make mistakes, vices, all that stuff. Absolutely. I want them to see. It's hard. I'm their dad, not their coach. Mm. I, they don't want to look at me as a coach. Mm. So they want to get inspired by me 
doing stuff, failing, sharing with them, how I bounce back. You know, like when I, I lived on a monastery with um, for, for a couple of weeks with these eight monks that had been there for 50 years. And I asked them about um, grieving because mm. I've never had both my parents are alive, knock on wood, my close friends, the majority of my, I haven't had a ton of tragedy in my life. I've been so lucky, man. Like awesome. ridiculous, but it's inevitable. Mm. It's inevitable. Absolutely. I want to be prepared and I don't really know how to grieve, you know, mm. like, so I asked them about it. Like, how do you guys handle grief? You know, they're the monks, the spiritual masters. Absolutely. And they, they gave me a lot of feedback on that. But the one thing that I thought was really interesting was it's a, that they were saying, like, how you handle grief and really tough situations is bigger than you. Because it could, you could be an inspiration to other people that are grieving or going through really tough times. Mm. So there's an opportunity and almost a responsibility. Now, everybody grieves differently. Everybody grieves on their own timeline. But for some, there's an opportunity to help all these other people that are going to go through, you know, think of all of those that are suffering from cancer. You know, there's an opportunity to be a shining light mm. to so many. I'm watching it right now. My, my wife's best friend's son, 18 years old, man, insane fight for his life right now. Wow. She's unbelievable. And I keep saying to Sarah, like, I don't know if I could do what Christina's doing. Like, mm. I've never seen a commitment to, a, to, to a, another human like this. And it's an inspiration. Absolutely. And she doesn't even realize what she's doing. She's trying to save her son's life. Mm. Yet hundreds of people are inspired by her dedication mm. to her son. And that's the opportunity that we get, all of us, Absolutely. when we think we're having a hardship, mm. what, the, what that hidden blessing is. I mean, look at you, man. Yeah. Example number one, you know? Yeah. And, and you don't even, you know, but you don't realize it. You know, you don't realize it. So there's all these different lessons. Yeah. I, I, um, I watched that story when you talked about being at the monastery and, they had the dogs and they were training the dogs and you tried to mess with the dog, get the dog out of line and talked about the discipline. That was incredible. But I want to ask you a question, Jess, thinking about your journey with entrepreneurship, right? When you think back on when you first started, right, in the younger years, whether it be 19, 20, 21, what advice or insight would you give to your younger self? Wow. Um, you know, I'm very, very lucky, Inky, because my dad owned the plumbing supply house. Mm -hmm. You know, I was not by any stretch broke or anything like that, but I wasn't like, you know, waxing in wealth. You know, my, my dad, hard working guy, six days a week, um, you know, was home with the kids. She was a school teacher. And then, um, but they gave me like really good advice when I was young and they told me in your 20s are a really good time to figure out what it is to try everything and figure out what it is you like to do, what you want to do. Your 30s are a really good time to perfect that craft. And your 40s and 50s, you really cash in on it. That's the trajectory for a lot of people, right? You try different things. Oh, I don't love this. My heart is in this job. Let me do this. Oh, I love this. You get really good at it. Now, some people have get rich. There's, you hear these get rich stories Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not that common. Right. We, most people grind. 
Absolutely. But what advice I would give myself in my 20s is what I actually went through. Is it, I was, it was to be 20, mm. to not lose my 20s just because of the seduction of money. Mm. Now, I wanted to make money, but I was never seduced by the money. Gotcha. So I was able to, to follow my passions. And so I've never felt like I worked. You know, I got into music because I loved music. I got into writing, working for sports teams. I love sports. You know, I got into aviation and private jets, not because I like airplanes, but I loved being an entrepreneur. I loved the, the newness of it and the challenge, you know, not the widget that I was selling, the airplane. That never appealed to me, but I loved the customer experience. But all of this, I had different experiences in my 20s and a lot of messages out there, man, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not knocking them about working 23 hours. Everybody knows you have to work hard. Right. <laughs> you like you need to YouTube or some somebody yelling you got you like news flash, you got to work hard. You know? Right. Not not at the detriment mm-hmm. in my in my in my humble opinion of giving up your family, your friends, your experiences in your 20s. Absolutely. You know, like it's just not worth all the money in the world wouldn't be worth that. To, to still be 20 and make mistakes and try things. And now, now everybody's different. Some people know exactly what they want to do or whatever, but I wasn't that kid. I had no idea what I want. I still don't know what I want to do. Mm. Honestly, I still don't know. Like I ask myself all the time, like, what do I want to be known for? What, what, how can I impact the world better? Like it's certainly not selling calendars or airplanes or whatever. Like what, what, what is it? You know? So there's a constant journey for that. And um, your 20s are, are, are a great time to explore those thoughts. Got you. You know, I um, I look at you, man, and I often think like, man, like Jess is having fun, right? Like when I see you doing different things, I'm like, man, he's happy. Whether it's the big ass calendar club, build your life resume, ultra marathon runner, with your kids, with your wife, joking. But that happiness meter, when you spoke about that, Right. Like what what made you speak about that? Right. In your TED talk, the happiness meter. Right. What made you hone in on that that concept? So I think that, you know. No matter how much we success we have, all of us, and I don't mean financial, I'm talking about how on happiness. Absolutely. If we have something that's really um broken in our life. Like we all want to be a 10 out of 10 on, on a happiness scale. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be 80% happy. Right. Even a test is a B minus. Like we want to be 80. We want to be as happy as we can. But if we have something in our life that's really broken, maybe it's our weight, our finances, our relationship, it's usually weight, finances, relationship, or health. Mm-hmm. Um, even if everything else is clicking, your 10 is going to be a nine or an eight. And my point about that was like, well, whatever's broken, you know, as humans, I don't like conflict. Most of us avoid conflict. We don't want to fix it. We want to put more stuff on our plate that makes us, I want to watch more football. Mm -hmm. I want to eat more food, you know, but without addressing the thing that's taking our our number down. So I think it's really important to work on, not easy, but important to work on like what is really broken in my life, man, so I could get that, that number up. And then, and then the other thing I would say around that ink is, um, I think mo- you always hear the expression is the glass half full or half empty, right. but nobody even talks about how damn lucky you are to even have a freaking glass, man. Mm. You know, like 
I'm not a half half empty guy. I've never been like, oh, it's half full, half empty. I'm like, thank God I have a glass. Yeah, man. Figure it out. So, you know, and and even through, I'm older now, 53, and I've sold businesses. I've made money. I've lost money. I've had things that haven't worked. Um, you know, but as I've gotten older, that that's like a really important topic to me, man. Is is there is very little correlation. You know, like I know what I like to do. And, and at this age of my life, I want to put more on that of my plate with the people I want to do it with. You know, it's not about like in your 20s. Tw- it's like I don't want to go on a tangent, but like in your 20s. Oh, you could. I love it, man. I, want, I wanted to have a six pack because I wanted to meet the girl. Yeah. <laughs> my 30s, like, or, you know, like when you get the girl or whatever, like, you just want to stay fit. Mm-hmm. In your 40s and 50s, you want to stay out of the hospital, man. Mm. You know, like the yeah. six matter. And it, <laughs> yeah. as you get older in life, it's the same. Like I found that a lot of the stuff that I wanted in my 20s, mm. once I got it, became, and it's easy to say, right? Because I don't have to worry about my next check. So I, I understand that. But my point is, even that aside, you know, like I, you're saying you look happy because I'm putting the things that I love to do I'm prioritizing them with the people I love to do them with. How could I not be happy? Mm. Even in, in the middle of a pandemic, even when you know businesses are, including you know, are struggling. Even when my parents are are elderly and I'm I'm you know going there, taking care of them. I'm flying there again this weekend all the time, back and forth, taking care of my parents. You know, like even amongst challenges, and just because you have money doesn't mean your kids don't have glitches. Mm. Doesn't you don't have sad thoughts doesn't mean that you, you have to work on your marriage. Like Absolutely. none of that goes away because you have more money. Certain things do. Mm. Right. But even amongst all that, the happiness comes from how could I not be happy when I'm doing what I love to do, you know, prioritizing what I love to do. And man, I'm not saying that to say that I'm literally living it. And, and I think that is the reason why if I appear happy, I am. Mm. And I'm, like, let me break down my day to day. I woke up before school and I spent an hour with my kids. So it checks the box early win mm. because it gave me momentum. I felt accomplished. Mm. Something we talked about earlier in the talk. Yeah. Right. Then I did some, I did um, work for me, you know, things that I needed to do, took care of the most important things, checked the box, momentum, felt accomplished. I was able to take my kids at recess because I'm homeschooling them now for another 40 minutes. Like, you know, like these are things that fill up my bucket, nice. you know, like the, like the rest of the day is gravy, man. Mm. Now I'm having an amazing talk with you, you know, I've sort of, <laughs> man, and obviously, you know, you know how I feel about you. Nice. And so it's like you surround yourself with these people, you know, you have inputs and outputs. Mm. Your outputs are, are the words that you say and, and, and how you approach people. And are you kind? How do you show up? Uh, your inputs are what are you taking in? What music are you listening to? Who's influencing you on social media? What are you reading about? You know, what are those inputs? So I I try, and this is an input right now. Like we're having a conversation. Those, those inputs that you take in are really important about being happy and you can control them. A lot of them, you can control who you want to surround yourself and what you want to listen to. So I think all of those are factors to what you see. 
Man, that's strong. You said something um, about your parents, right? Flying back and forth. And so right now my wife's uh, grandmother, you know, she's been fighting cancer as of late. And, you know, we've been blessed with the opportunity to just be around her as she goes through this journey and walk with her. And it's such a beautiful experience because it makes us self-reflect and think about life differently because she's in a phase of her life to where she's dealing with something and it's altering her perspective. And so with you flying back and forth with your parents, spending time with them in this stage and phase of their life, how does it affect and impact you with how you live your life? No, it has a tremendous impact on me, but the the bigger impact Mm. is going to be 10 years from now than now, Mm. because 10 years ago, if I didn't make that commitment, I have so much regret. Hmm. Oh my God. I I don't, I want to leave it all out there as it relates to my parents. And uh, so it's more about future regrets. There's Hmm. three kinds of regrets. So there's regrets that you can fix. Like um, I have a terrible relationship. I'm making it up with my dad. Well, pick up the phone and and mend it, you know, Hmm. go fix that. There's regrets that you can't fix. Like I broke up with my college girlfriend. She's married now. Like I'm never going to be able to get that back. Right. So like, get over it. You got to <laughs> get over you know? it. Yeah. The third kind of regrets are regrets that you can prevent. Mm-hmm. I always want to run this, uh, go to Italy, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Now I'm 80 and I, I can't do like, like you're going to regret it. Right. So go to Italy. So you don't have that regret down the road. And that's how I feel about my parents. I don't want to look back and I know I can prevent that regret. Mm-hmm. I'll know I'll regret that. And and by the way, I want to spend this, as much time as I can with my parents. They say one of the de- definitions that I've heard of success, which I love, is um, as it relates to parenting, is if your older kids still want to hang out with you when you're when you're like a senior, yeah. you're successful. And if that's, <laughs> if that's the definition of success, then... And my parents are incredibly successful. No, that's true, man. That's that's real. But, um, you know, just as I get ready to bring us to a close, you've had tremendous success, you know, just in business as an entrepreneur, you know, you, your wife, like you've seen a lot, had a lot of experiences Um, with the current climate of what's going on in the world. You know, a lot of people are dealing with levels of opposition and adversity that they never could have imagined you know, going through it. Is there any insight or advice that you would share with people or if it's anything that you live and you're guided by that you would share with people just as a source of encouragement and inspiration? I think the two things that, first of all, I want to recognize and I appreciate you bringing awareness to this because obviously this is a, a, a wild time in history and, and, um, I think it's important that you bring that up. I think two things come to my mind. One is what I mentioned earlier is to really believe in the end of your story, mm. to believe that things can get better, you know, if you just keep going forward. And, um, and two is I, I can't overemphasize enough the importance of self-talk, mm. you know, and, and not giving the obstacles a voice and power. So like using words like, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I'm always going to be like this. I'm not good at making money. I'm not good at this. I can't, I won't, you know, those, we're all going to have those thoughts, that self doubt. Mm. But once you actually start speaking them, you give them power. Mm. So 
really self-talk is, is something that's, that's very hard to do when you're faced with really tough circumstances and opportunity. Not everybody has the same opportunity. Um, but staying, you know, but, but talking into reality, I think gives you a tremendous amount of power over obstacles and people. Hmm. That's strong. That's strong. Jess, man, I just want to say thank you for your time. Like I said, I know you're a busy guy. Thank you for what you do, how you do it. Most importantly, man, thank you for your existence, man. You mean a lot to me personally. Thanks for today. Greatly appreciate it. And thanks for thinking of me, man. I, I Thanks for putting me on the list to be on the show. Thank you. My guy. <laughs> <laughs>